In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Um, well, uh, so far it's been very good uh, to be with you here at St. Paul's over the last few weeks. Uh, it's a privilege to be able to preach for you this morning for the first time. Uh, We're going to be looking at Romans 12, continuing our series on spiritual gifts. And uh, I'd like to continue a little bit further in the passage uh, than our lectionary text did this morning, so I'm going to read it again and go a little bit farther, beginning in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members, one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Okay, well this is, as I said, this is a continuation of our series on the spiritual gifts, uh, and I will be talking about Romans 12, but first I want to say a few words about Romans 1 through 11, a few things about the book of Romans as a whole that will help us understand chapter 12. Uh, and what is the book of Romans about? Well, the book of Romans, uh, I would like to submit to you, is about, um, it's concerned with the story of God's relationship to his rebellious creatures. The, the, the book of Romans tells the story about how God deals with his rebellious creatures, how he restores relationship with them, with us. And so chapters 1 through 3, broadly speaking, tell us about that rebellion, starting with Adam, that disregard for the relationship that God desired to have with us, and for the uh, the kind and gracious lordship he wanted to exercise over us. And then Paul reminds us that even back in the midst of that rebellion, there is a preview of redemption in Christ. That, that we see that preview of redemption in God's covenant with Abraham, that covenant that's renewed uh, with Moses and David and so on and so forth. That's the end of chapter 3 into chapter 4. And then the story turns to the present. And Paul describes in chapters 5 and 6 how Jesus Christ 
uh, reversed the direction that Adam set humanity going down and how Christ's death for our redemption can be appropriated, can be um, imparted to us, given to us, so that the power of sin can be broken. And there's uh, a famous passage uh, where Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Right? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And then chapters 7 and 8 tell us how our union with Christ both frees us from our sinful pasts and opens up to us a new present that is characterized by, filled by, God's Holy Spirit. And in chapters 9-11, through 11, the story points to the future. Paul tells us that from the beginning, God's plan of gracious election was at work, uh, starting with Israel, culminating in Christ, who brought the law to, uh, to its end, to its fulfillment, and that the future return of Israel will be God's sort of climactic act, uh, the climactic act of God's gracious restoration of His Lordship over rebellious creation. Now, why do that mad dash through chapters 1 through 11? Well, I want us to see that the book of Romans tells the story of God's graciousness toward us in Jesus Christ. Uh, because we have a passage today with a lot of imperatives, with a lot of exhortations, a lot of commands, right? Do this, do this. Use your gifts like this. Uh, and I think it's really important that we don't forget what precedes this. Chapters 1-11 through 11 give, give us the basis for the pastoral exhortation. What is the therefore? Therefore, right? So if the story that Paul is telling is the story of the grace of God toward his rebellious creatures, a grace that refuses to abandon us to any other lordship than his own, the results of that story, which is what we're talking about in Romans 12, the results of that story are themselves a continuation of grace. They're also a matter of grace. It's not that God has been gracious to us and is now saying, okay, what are you going to do with this? God hasn't bailed us out of jail and said, okay, kid, you know, don't waste it. Um, no, He has been gracious to us, and He continues to be gracious to us in the kinds of ways that Paul is going to talk about. He's gracious to us by enabling us to love one another, to live in unity with people who are different from us, to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect, to use the gifts that He has given us. God has been gracious to you and raised you to new life by uniting you with Jesus Christ. Therefore, since you are now in Jesus Christ, you may do these things. So the very fact that Paul can include these sort of ethical exhortations in his letter is a further demonstration of God's grace. Because as he tells us in chapter 7, if you're still under the power of sin, and you're still under the power of the law, then these kinds of exhortations, admonitions, uh, can only serve to drive us further down the road of sin. Right? We can see this in Paul's life. Paul's a Pharisee. right? He, he's a member of the Jewish party uh, known for their 
particularly meticulous and spirited study of the law. So Paul knows the law better than most people, and yet the law did not bring Paul to Jesus. The law actually drove Paul further away from Jesus and drove Paul to hunt down his followers and to persecute his church. The law did not get Paul to Jesus. Jesus had to come to Paul. So Paul knows what he's talking about. Only when the power of sin has been broken already, only after God's grace has triumphed over sin, can these kinds of exhortations serve any other purpose than the increase of sin. I think it's important that we mention this because sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts, not Pastor Mark over the last several weeks, but sometimes when we talk about spiritual gifts, we forget that the Christian life and everything about the Christian life is empowered by God. It's made possible by God's graciousness towards us. Remember that quote from chapter 6. We were buried with Him by baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Who is doing all of that? God. We don't walk in newness of life because we decide to. We aren't raised from the dead because we decide to be raised from the dead. We are raised from the dead because God wants it so. God does the raising. God is the chief actor here. And what God begins, God brings to completion. That is one of the most important themes of Romans, and it's one of the most important themes of Scripture as a whole. So, in Romans 12, we might say that Paul is not just exhorting the church. He's not just giving pastoral um, admonition to the people. He's describing the saints. It's like Paul is saying, be who you are. Become what you already are. So by the power in, of the Holy Spirit in the church, God creates a different kind of community. A group of people who, though many, are one body in Christ. And individually members one of another. A group of people whom God the Holy Spirit has given particular gifts. Gifts that the Holy Spirit Himself uses to further His kingdom. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, and other gifts that Scripture describes elsewhere. Right? These are not the only gifts we read about. God creates. God Himself creates a different kind of community. A community where people fit this description. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. I'm used to saying cling to what is good. I think that's better. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Man, if God's not doing that stuff, I'm giving up now. I mean, I need to lie down after reading a list like that, right? It sounds exhausting. Um, I can't do that stuff. Certainly not all of the time and not even most of the time. And I don't know anybody who can. Maybe Luke. But... But God is doing it, right? God is bringing this about. What God has started in us by raising us to new life in Jesus Christ, what God has started, God finishes. And that's, that's the good news in a passage like this for us today. Uh, and this is good news that we need, I think, because um, 
it's 2020. Like, I, I, I don't know how you are feeling right now, but I imagine it's like me. I am very tired. Um, thank you, Vic. <laughs> yes. I'm tired. I'm tired of this virus. I'm tired of politics and I'm tired of people turning everything into politics and I'm tired of how difficult people can be and I'm tired of how difficult I can be. I'm tired. And we need some hope right now. And not just any kind of hope, but we need a hope that is sure. A hope that we can trust. Right? So I don't want you to just hear a list of commands. I want you to hear because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, God continues to do that work in us through the use of spiritual gifts. And, and this is the kind of community that God Himself is bringing about. So therefore, knowing that we have rebelled against God and have nevertheless been shown a staggering amount of grace by being welcomed into the family of God through Jesus Christ, let's live like we're in the family. Without the pressure of trying to justify ourselves uh, or pay God back or whatever, whatever lies we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better or to keep ourselves from doing anything at all. Let's live like we're in the family. We are in the family. Let's live like it. Yeah? We, because we know these things that Paul's telling us, they're difficult, right? So often our love is not genuine. It's not selfless. It's not really focused on the other. Our love is often a disguised or convoluted form of self-love. So often we abhor what is good and we hold fast to what is evil. So often we outdo one another in trying to claim honor and not receive honor and not give honor. We use our gifts not to build up the body, but to build up ourselves. Paul's exhortations here are not easy. They're impossible. right? Unless the God of grace is accomplishing them in us. And what God starts, God finishes. And what Paul describes here in chapter 12 is God forming the Roman church into a community that is both diverse and unified. A family that, like the human body, needs the, the diversity that it has. It needs the many different parts to be what it is and do what it does. Right? And we're used to hearing this by now. I mean, uh, you know, our culture, rightfully and thankfully, uh, cares about diversity. It recognizes the value of diversity, even if they don't get it right all the time. Um, but neither do we. Uh, but whatever baggage we may have about the idea of diversity, we can't escape that that's what Paul's talking about here. The church needs different kinds of people whom God has gifted in different ways in order to be who we are supposed to be. And this is not a concept that's unique to Romans 12. Right? 1 Corinthians 12, the other big chapter in the Bible on spiritual gifts, this, this chapter talks about diversity of the body as well, right? And actually with a little bit more depth to it. Remember, Paul goes through the foot. You know, the foot should say, I'm not a hand. What use do I have for the body and the ear and the eye? He talks about how they're all necessary for the body to function as it should. We see the same thing here in Romans in verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So in Christ, we have been made into one body. 
one family and we belong to each other. And I think by and large, uh, Americans have forgotten what it means to belong to one another. Everything about our society screams mine and freedom uh, and, and choice. And, and the funny thing is that doesn't even make us happy. You know, but we keep going down that road. We keep, we keep trying to get those things uh, until we're all alone in our dark houses with our piles of stuff. You know, but God offers us a different vision. The privilege and the responsibility of belonging to one another, to caring for one another and being cared for, to show hospitality when we can and to receive it when we need it or to receive it when other people need to show it. To, we- to have our hearts weaved together by the Holy Spirit, the one who makes it possible for a community like this to exist. We are, brothers and sisters, participating in, ushering in the kingdom of God, the new heavens and the new earth. This is a glimpse of the new creation that Paul's describing here. The family of God, freed by the grace of God to love and serve their neighbors with the various gifts that they've been given. It begins in the church, and like a pebble dropped in a pond, It ripples out, beginning with the church. God is redeeming and restoring relationships. Our relationships with God, with ourselves, with each other, and with all of creation. God is starting here. And when God starts, God finishes. So Paul lists a few gifts here in verses 6 through 8. It's not meant to be an exhaustive list of gifts. There are others, others mentioned elsewhere in the Bible, and likely others mentioned nowhere in the Bible. Um, these are the ones Paul focuses on for the Roman church. The first one is prophecy, which basically means proclaiming God's words to the church. Um, it's close to preaching, might not be exactly the same. Uh, it can include predictions of the future. We see prophecy like this in Acts a couple of times in chapters 11 and 21. You can make a note if you want to look at those later. Uh, but, but prediction is not the main thrust of prophecy. Uh, not in the Old or New Testaments, actually. One of my seminary professors used to say it this way, that prophecy includes both foretelling and forthtelling. And, Forthtelling is as important, if not actually more important, than foretelling. Because forthtelling here meaning, you know, proclaiming what God has to say, the word of God to his people, his mercy, his favor, his judgment, etc. So if you read the Old Testament prophets, what they're doing most of the time isn't predicting really specific events, but they're proclaiming the natural consequences of what happens when you disobey God. You know, when you disobey God, you're going to come to ruin sooner or later. Okay? So that's prophecy. Service. It's a little bit less precise of a word. It could just mean any kind of general Christian ministry. That's certainly possible. I don't want us to exclude that possibility. But the fact uh, that all the other gifts in this list are a little bit more precise, they have more specific meanings, it leads me to think that there's a connection here specifically to the office of the deacon. Uh, the, the Greek word for service here and, and ministry actually is diakonos, a word we 
with, from which we derive deacon. So deacon means servant. And those of us who are called and ordained or working toward becoming deacons, we should use the gift of service that we have been given in service, as Paul says. Sounds kind of funky, but Paul here is emphasizing the, the importance of using the gift appropriately. Right, Having the gift of service, which in our tradition might mean getting ordained and getting to wear these fancy clothes, it doesn't give us a false sense of importance or a false sense of pride. Our gift is service. Don't forget it. Teaching. We know what teaching is. Teaching Scripture. Teaching the content of the Christian faith as it's been handed down and preserved in the church. Exhortation is um, the continuation of teaching in that it is urging us to live out the gospel. Teachers teach what the gospel is. Uh, exhorters encourage us to live out the gospel. The one who contributes uh, is maybe a little bit more difficult. There, I came across a few meanings here, but I think it means that those who are those of us who are in a position to share our resources with those who are less fortunate, we should give generously, as Paul says, and and without fanfare and without ulterior motives. That's a tough one. We've all heard horror stories about, you know, someone saying, I I get to choose the color of the carpet, you know, or whatever. Um, Giving without ulterior motives. It's a hard thing to do. It's impossible sometimes. But God is doing the work, right? God is, is beginning this work in us. The one who leads the leaders, right? Leaders of the local church uh, definitely includes clergy, probably includes others. There are lots of ways to lead uh, that don't fall within the parameters of ordained ministry. But those who lead are to lead with zeal, which I think here means a, a combination of uh, eagerness and diligence, right? So leading uh, enthusiastically and also leading well. It's hard to do both. Um, it's hard to do all the time, at least one or the other. And the last, you know, it's the same with the last gift that Paul mentions, doing acts of mercy. Those of us who do acts of mercy or who, or who are particularly gifted in that way should do so with cheerfulness. We need to uh, avoid downcast attitudes or begrudging attitudes. And that's hard. It's hard to do that all the time. The weight of these gifts, brothers and sisters, will crush us if we forget that this chapter begins with a therefore. If we forget that it is the God who has chased after us and rescued us from sin and death, who is empowering us to live into these gifts. It's God the Holy Spirit who has both given these gifts and uses them in us for the good of His church and the world. It's the Holy Spirit who is forming us into the community we are made to be. Does that mean we don't do anything? Of course not. Does that mean it will be easy? Of course not. You can look at the last 2,000 years of church history and easily draw the conclusion that it's not easy. So it's not a formula, and it's not a, a new legal system by which we earn God's favor, 
But it's also not an excuse to lay around and do nothing. What we are doing here is recognizing the work that God is doing and cooperating with it, participating in it. God is using us to do His will on earth as it is in heaven. So there's no pressure here because God will accomplish what He has begun. What God starts, God finishes. He wants to work in us and through us to establish His kingdom on earth, to wipe away every tear and to abolish death and to make all things new. He has begun the work in us. He uses these gifts to continue that work. And what God starts, God finishes. Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Therefore, by the mercies of God, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Therefore, by the mercies of God, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think with sober judgment. Therefore, by the mercies of God, use the gifts that you have been given to build up the body. Therefore, by the mercies of God, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Therefore, by the mercies of God, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Therefore, by the mercies of God, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Therefore, by the mercies of God, rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Amen.